Matthew chapter number, I told you I was nervous. When I get nervous, I get silly. Matthew chapter number 6, you say, you must be nervous all the time. Matthew chapter number 16, I think I forgot the team there. Um, We're going to read verse number 13 down through verse number 18. And then we'll read just maybe another verse or two over in the book of Acts chapter number 11. Um, I am, uh, I, I'm not going to force myself to finish uh, uh, anything tonight. Uh, this is actually going back, oh uh, goodness, probably, probably early 2019 when I, when I preached this or when I taught this. And, um, and I, I told some men yesterday, there's, there's some things that I feel like we might need to re relearn, and there's some new faces in here. There's some uh, some new Christians in here since then, and then let's just be honest: we're human and we forget things. And so I'm I'm not uh, I'm not running out of material. I got 66 books that I could preach from, uh, but there's there's some things that uh, we just need to kind of back up and take our time and relearn. And I don't know that I'll go through everything, um, but especially I wanted to start with the church. Had an interesting conversation with some of the the young, uh, the teenagers um, this afternoon or this evening, uh, just back in the office, just kind of come up, kind of organically, just about baptism and some questions about baptism. And so, um, you know, with that, still, even after answering the questions, there might still be some questions there, so we may... Um, take some time and study baptism. I mentioned it this morning. Uh, it is an outward showing of what God has done in us. We mentioned that on Wednesday night. Um, James said that if if you're if you have faith, if you're saved, then there needs to be some works to prove that. So baptism is one of those first uh, outward works, if you will. But uh, it is more than that. It is um, it it. It allows you access to some things. And uh, so, so we may take some time in the coming weeks or so as the Lord leads and, and, and deal with that. But let's get into our text tonight in Matthew chapter number 16, verse number 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And let me stop there and say this. Just a couple weeks ago, I preached about Christ, and I gave you all those titles of Christ that we found there in Hebrews. And and I I thoroughly enjoyed that study, and I thoroughly enjoyed the preaching but until you know who Christ is to you, all the titles of Christ ain't going to matter a bit. And so Jesus has asked them here, whom, whom do you say that? He did ask them, who do men say that I am? And once he heard their statement, he said, now, I need to ask you boys, who, who am I to you? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ. The Son of the Living God, and if there was a bell around, it would have been going ding, 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 ding. That is the winning answer. That is the winning answer. The reason I say that 
is because Jesus says in verse 17, he answered and said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter. He asked, Who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Peter answered, Thou art the Christ, the Son of God, or the living God. Now, Jesus says, Peter, I'm going to tell you who you are. He said, before this was Simon Peter. He says, Thou art Peter. And you can look, you've got a Schofield Bible, you look and you see this is that rock, the little rock, the pebble, if you will. But he says, Upon this rock, not Peter. Don't let anybody tell you that Jesus built the church upon Peter. He built the church upon himself. He built the church upon the statement that Peter made that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail Against it. Now, if you can just humor me just for a moment and run over to Acts chapter number 11, and, uh, and we'll look at verse number 20, uh, 25. Here is Barnabas. And Barnabas now, he has been, he is one of the few. He's one of these chosen men. And verse 24 says he's a good man. He's full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. So Barnabas now, he's, he's come to Saul in Tarsus. Verse 26, I love this. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. I find it very interesting, peculiar, encouraging, whatever it may be, that the first time they were called Christians were the first time they were known to assemble as a church. They weren't in the Moose's Lodge. They weren't down at the Lions Club. They weren't down, they weren't in no business affair. But because they were assembled in the church, they were called Christians. And so tonight, I don't have a fancy name, just in, just plain and simple, the church. And uh, I, I'll not spend a whole, I don't think I'll spend a whole lot of time by way of introduction, but uh, just in case you see it, maybe in some of your notes or footnotes, you've probably heard this phrase before, and when you see it in the Word of God, you'll find it, uh, sometimes you see there in Acts chapter number 11, you, you almost see it twice. You see they were assembled, and then the word church, and oftentimes you'll see assembled, assembly, congregation, or church, and it is all coming from the same word, and that word is ecclesia, or some people may pronounce it ecclesia. And so the ecclesia, I've always heard that it is a calling out. And so it's a group of people that has been called out. They're, they're called out from their old lives, and they're gathered together in one mind and one accord. I was reading after someone this afternoon, and it's, it says that they are regularly, regularly, they... Somebody help me. That word right there, summoned, regularly. They are summoned all the time, okay? And so day after day, they are summoned to meet together. That's what I'm trying to say. And so the, the church, they meet together at a set time. Isn't that what we do? 
We have Wednesday night and Sunday morning and Sunday night. And then occasionally we'll have maybe a revival or a camp meeting or jubilee, whatever it may be called. And those are times set aside for our body to join together regularly. And we do this because we are of one mind and one accord. And so as we think back to our text there in Matthew, uh, Jesus says that I'm going to build my church Upon himself, upon this rock, uh, that will never fail. It will never falter. It will never, uh, it will never erode. It's not going to change over time. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so that's why he builds the church upon himself. Now I realize that this church is built upon a, a physical foundation. Uh, but tonight I'm not talking about the physical church. I'm not talking about the churches that dot our county. I'm talking about God's church, okay? The body of believers. Now, there is a very important lesson about the local church, and we may get to that. I hope we'll get to that. Uh, But tonight, I'm dealing with the fact that Jesus Christ has called out believers. He has called out men and women and children, uh, and He has called them to Himself, and they are now called Christians, and as Christians, they make up the church. The church is an organism made up of millions of imperfect people that have been forgiven. Don't that make you glad? Now, now there's, there's people all over the globe that I've never met that make up the church as a whole. But I'll be honest with you tonight, I'm thankful for the local church. There, there it is. I'm glad for the local church. Believe it, Brother Bobby, when you were praying, you, you said, I thank God for this church. And, and this morning when we're praying for Ali, we thank God for this church and the love in this church. And, and I can't speak for the love in some other church. And, and I've been to a lot of other churches. And, and I, I felt the love shown from those churches. I've been welcomed in to other churches. But there's something different. Why? Because this is a family. This is a body of believers that God has set together on the side of 280 here that we can regularly meet together and worship God as a family. And so... The local church is made up of women and men and children that join together for a common purpose. That common purpose is to worship God, to to hear the Word of God taught, and to hear it preached, to learn how to serve the Lord out in the world, uh, to bless and to encourage others. And, and I'll tell you, if you come to church and all you do is is look down on everybody else, if you come to church and all you do is get looked on get looked down on by everybody else. That's a miserable state of affairs that you have found yourself in. And the church ought to be, let's be honest, church ought to be a hospital where you can come and you can get a, a, a salve placed on your weary soul. Uh, Brother Kenny this morning told me uh, that his mother-in-law, Miss Virginia, uh, she is over in the ICU and she is in the hospital and she is getting the care that she shows so urgently needs. And that's what the church ought to be. Uh, for hurting Christians, uh, but also for dying sinners. The church ought to be that place where they can come and get some help. And so, if you'll bear with me, we'll start this study on the church as it's taught throughout Scripture here. 
First, we see the foundation and the head of the church. And we will be going to a few different passages, so you keep your Bible open. And the first will be in Ephesians chapter number 2. And we look at verse number 20, uh, down through verse number 22, I believe it is. The foundation and head of the church. We see in verse number 20, Ephesians chapter number 2, and are built upon, well, let's just go back to 19, just for, um, just for my sake. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth Unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. And so there is the foundation and the head of the church. First of all, in this passage, we see that the church is built on the teachings and the, the teachings of the prophets and of the apostles. The things that we know, they come out of the Word of God. Uh, we Again, we talked about baptism. Uh, the stance that we have on baptism comes out of the Word of God. Uh, I'm not a Baptist brider, okay? And, and maybe one day we'll deal with that subject. Uh, but I can't trace the, the heritage of Lighthouse Baptist Church all the way back to John the Baptist. I can't do it. Neither can you. I don't care how smart you are. You can't do it. That's what a Baptist brider is. And, and, and they won't let... I, I ain't, Brother David, I ain't got time for all that. But what I will tell you this is we learn about baptism from John the Baptist, from Jesus, from Philip, from Paul. Even Paul didn't like to baptize. I like that about Paul. He didn't get wrapped up in all that, but he made sure to teach about baptism. And so we learn about this from those apostles, but then we also base our beliefs on in the church and the building of the church through the Old Testament prophets as well. We don't throw those old, we don't throw Micah, we don't throw Haggai out, Ashton. We don't throw Zephaniah and Zechariah, we don't throw them out and, and, and just say, well, that's the Old Testament, we have no need of them. The, in, in this, we, we see that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. He says, there, we're no more strangers, foreigners, there in verse number 19. He said, we're, sit, we're sit, uh, uh, fellow citizens with the saints, we're of the household of God. We are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. Now, some of you men that, that build houses, and, and I realize most of y'all are building uh, stick buildings, but you've got a foundation. Uh, but I guess if we could borrow everyone's imagination and and we were we were going to build a brick building, uh, there has to be a perfect square on at least one of those corners, and that is that corner stone. And if it's out of square, the whole thing's going to be out of square. And I could tell you when when we moved uh, to Tennessee, um, we moved in at that time. It was almost a hundred years 
old. It's 102, 104 years old now where my parents live. And we thought, man, this is going to be, this is going to be easy. Uh, and then we realized that if you can stand on one end of the floor, you'll roll to the other end of the floor. It, the floor was out of square. So we commenced getting up there and, and jacking it up. But as we jacked it up, it cracked every piece of sheetrock in there. It messed the brick fireplace up. It messed the roof line up. And so we literally had to rebuild this thing. Don't tell nobody, but we had to rebuild this thing from the bottom up to get it safe to, to live in. But as we began to try to repair walls and we began to try to repair flooring, we noticed that this whole thing was out of square. The whole thing was out of square. And so if it's off, I believe I've heard Brother Jim and Jody say that if it's off maybe an eighth of an inch here, by the time you get 20 feet down the road or down the wall, it's going to be off, I don't know, two or three inches maybe. I don't, I don't math very good. But Jesus is the chief cornerstone. I said this morning that there was no sin found in him. There's no imperfection found in him. So if he's the chief cornerstone, then he is perfect in every way. The chief cornerstone or the cornerstone, the foundation stone or the setting stone is the first stone set in the construction of a masonry, uh, a masonry foundation. It is important since all other stones will be set in reference to this stone, thus determining the position, the position of the entire structure. And there's so many churches today that have been built upon men. They've been built upon flawed philosophies. And you can look at them and you can see where they should be crumbling any moment now. And if you look in the book of Revelation, they will. They will be crumbling. We, we understand today that Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. We also understand that, that there is a head to our church in uh, chapter number 4, Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Just as he is the chief cornerstone, he is the head. The head is the prominent position. When I meet somebody, I don't look at their feet first. I look at their head first. I look at, usually I look at their eyes first. I make eye contact with them. He is the head. He is what, though we may be seen, Brother Kurt, He is what people reference. The way we act, the way we react, it is in direct reference to Him. The head is that which is pointed to. Without a head, there's no life in the body. Jesus is, He says here, He is the head, even Christ. If we look over in the book of Psalm, you don't have to turn there very quickly, but Psalm 118, verse 22, the stone which the builders refused is become the headstone of the corner. This was prophesied. Remember, I told you that, that we get this through prophecies. 
through the prophets and through the apostles, the church is built. The foundation, the head of the church is built upon the teachings of the prophets. The head of the church is, is prophesied. Here in Psalm 118, verse 22, he says, this, this is the stone which the builders refused. In Matthew, it says the stone which the builders rejected. And here we see the head in this verse. It is the choicest or the best. The best. I love that old song. It, I don't know that, especially the first verse. I don't believe it's at all scriptural. But I love that old song, Oh, What a Savior. And that first verse talks about them searching through heaven. And they finally found Jesus. They found the Savior. I don't believe any of that happened. But I love, I love the chorus to the song. Oh, what a Savior. But I... I believe in my heart, and I believe Scripture would back me up, Brother John. There is no other one in heaven or in earth that, that could be considered the head, that could be considered the chief cornerstone other than the Son of God. You see, it was Him that was in the beginning. It was Him that was in Genesis chapter 1 when God said, let us make man. It was Him in John chapter number 1 when it said that without Him was not anything made that was made. There's no other choice. He is the head. And then, I know you may be struggling taking notes, so I'll just kind of slow down and recap that. You have number one, the foundation and head of the church, and then you have several subpoints built on the teachings of the prophets and apostles. Next, you have a subpoint, the head of the church in Ephesians chapter four, and then prophesied as the headstone of the corner in Psalm one eighteen. Now, number two, let's look at the church described. The church described. We see the first subpoint is this. It is the assembly of the saints. The Scripture told us there in uh, Acts that they were meeting together. Matter of fact, they met together for the first year. They assembled for the first year in the church in Antioch. And it was there that they were first called Christians. And so the church is described, it is described as the assembly of the saints. Under this, we look at Psalm 89, verse number 7, that says, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be had in reverence of all them that are about Him. So God is, in this assembly, God is feared or God is reverenced or revered in the assembly of the saints. Not only God should be. God should be. I don't remember if it was here, if it was somewhere else. And I don't know how many of y'all follow, follow this. And, and I've, I've about, I've about sworn off all social media and everything. I still get pulled back in. But, uh, on the Super Bowl, and I couldn't tell you what church it was. I don't even care. But I, I remember seeing, uh, uh, that they had the stage all cleared off and, 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 mm. There's another church that's real close to my heart. 
Something like this has happened, and I ain't even going to get into that. But Brother David, maybe you've seen this, I don't know. But they had the stage all cleared off, and they had kind of, you know, decorated like the Super Bowl. And it wasn't a real Bible. I will give them that. But it was, it was, dec- it was a box decorated to look like a Bible. And they, they kicked, they punted the quote-unquote Bible off the stage to make, make some sort of a I don't know what the point was. People cheered and, and all of this. And my, my, my question, my fear is, my fear is somebody that maybe didn't know that it was a box and they did think it was a Bible, what would that have said to them? Maybe, maybe there was, maybe there was a young Christian and thinks, well, well, that's okay to desecrate God's Word. Maybe it's okay to, and, and I'll just tell you, it's not okay to have a Super Bowl party at the church. <laughs> In the church. I guess it'd be something entirely different to not have church and meet back there, but I, I, I try not to have a fellowship on Super Bowl Sunday night just because I don't want to be labeled a compromiser, all right? So don't ask me if it's Super Bowl Sunday. No, bless God, we're having church. It should be a place where we reverence God, where we fear God. I told you I wasn't going to say this, and, and, and I'm not rushing through this. I told somebody... It broke my heart. It breaks my heart. And, and I don't want you to think, when I say the church that I used to pastor, I don't want you to think that I think about them all the time. I don't want you to think about them. But occasionally, it, scrolling through, things will come up. And, and I, I started noticing, Sister Tanya, that, well, Abby, you've been, you were there in the new church, weren't you? wasn't a fancy church, but we, I took care to have a pulpit. And it was a custom-made pulpit. It was beautiful. It had history, church history as well as it's beautiful. That has now been replaced by a little skinny podium. We had pews from the old church that were made into pews to sit on either side of the pulpit for maybe preachers or singers or whatever. Those now have been taken off the stage. Instead of pews, we did have chairs. And we had chairs in the choir, and now it's just go up and stand. And that grieves my heart. And I can't exactly tell you why it grieves me so bad. But they can take the chairs and they can take the pews. But there's something sacred about the pulpit. Brother David, you've heard it for years. It's called the sacred desk. And the day that the man, his name was Seth Hayes, the day that the man drew up, the plans, he and I stood over and prayed. When he made his first cut with over a hundred-year-old wood, we stood over and prayed. When we brought it into the church, 
he and I together stood over and prayed. The first meeting that we had where we showed the church, the men of the church gathered around and we prayed around the old sacred desk. And now it's gone. I'm not trying to read their mind. I'm not trying to condemn them. But somewhere along the line, in my heart, I believe there's some reverence of God that's been lost. So when you ask me why God moved me five years from Knoxville, because I believe that He saw five years into the future, and He saw what might be done. The house of God, the church ought to be a place where we assemble and we assemble in fearing God. I'm not talking about shaking in our boots and being scared to move. And though that may happen from time to time when the glory of God gets in this place and we don't know what to do and we don't know what to sing and we don't know what to preach and, and nobody's testifying and we're just waiting. That's the glory of God. I said that's the glory of God. And sometimes you get fearful because you don't want to mess up. But I'm afraid in churches all over the globe, they've lost that fear of God. And it's just a production. God is praised there. In Psalm 111, verse number 1, Praise ye the Lord. The psalmist says, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright. And in the congregation. I want you to know I thank God for my little office at the house. Oh, good. Boy, I've had me some times down there. Y'all don't even know, but I was thinking the other day about the times that we had online service during that, that reprobate time of COVID when we couldn't meet together. And half the time it seemed like it ain't nothing worked the way it was supposed to. And I felt like I wasn't preaching to nobody. But man, God get in that little place. And there for a while, I tried to get my family to get in there. I was praying that God, they'd get right and start saying amen. But they just sit over there and look at me. And so I say, y'all just stay upstairs. And y'all watch it or not. I don't even care at this point. And man, I'd get down there and God would just bless me in that little 14 by 24 office. And, and God would just get all in there. I've been in my vehicle, and God, get in that vehicle, and I can't hardly stand it. But boy, I sure do love getting in the house of God, in the assembly of God's people, and in the congregation of His saints, and praising the Lord. There is something about that I don't, I'm not talking about emotionalism. I'm not talking about brother, brother, uh, brother, uh, Right here, I'm not talking about you praising the Lord and me praising God because you're praising the Lord. But there truly is something when the Holy Ghost begins to work and, and begins to excite you. I, I don't understand it, but somehow or another it blesses me and it allows me. Probably one of the, the, the best or the worst persons about that was John Dent. 
John did. Well, he'd get up here, not a soul cracking a smile. Nobody said amen. And he'd get up here and he'd shout. And next thing you know, everybody else is having a good time. It's because God began to work in that man and he began to praise God in the congregation of the saints. And then people begin to praise God. There's something about the church, the assembly that allows us to praise God here. I'm going to end with this one. We're talking about the church described. We're still on sub point A and. I don't know how y'all do this, you smart people, but sub, sub point, whatever it is, God is feared, God is praised there, but then uh, the, the assembly should not be forsaken. And you know exactly where I'm going. And there's more to this, but in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, he says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I believe that day is fast approaching. I believe, I, I, I'm not going to say the day of the Lord because that's, that's the day of wrath. That, that's coming, that's coming off in the future. But I believe the day that we're speaking of here is the day that the Lord returns to rapture the church out of here. And I believe it, it is coming. I believe it's going to happen soon. And we need to encourage one another. I, I, I've kind of, I'm, I'm trying to, to wait until the end of church services to say this, but we do need to look around and we do need to see who's not here and we do need to remember them in prayer. But we do need to say, hey, I'm just calling a check on you. Are you okay? I miss you at church Sunday. I miss you Wednesday night. I miss you Sunday night. I hope to see you Wednesday. I hope to see you Sunday. We need to exhort one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I want to be found, one, doing the will of God in my life when the Lord comes back. But I'd love to be in the house of God when He comes back. And I don't want to miss an opportunity. And I know some, I know things happen and we do miss those opportunities. But I believe there's a choice. Somebody posted it the other day that Sunday school is a choice you make on Saturday night. Getting your hide out of bed early on Sunday morning for Sunday school is something you decide Saturday night. Most of the time you don't woke up too late on Sunday morning to make it to Sunday school. That's all I'm going to say about Sunday school because I, I got a burr under my saddle about it. And I don't feel like making half y'all mad tonight. I ain't scared about it, but I don't feel like dealing with it right now. But I will give y'all a little hint. Y'all need to be at Sunday school on time and no matter who's teaching. Don't think I ain't noticed. Y'all come when your favorite teacher ain't here. Yeah, I said that. Whoopee. Brother David loved to have another break. 
If I got to prove a point, we'll give him another break. But I don't want him to have another break because I like to hear him too. What was I saying? Oh, we shouldn't forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. There's too many people forsaking too many things that ought not be forsaken. We're forsaking, we're forsaking the righteous things and we're accepting all the ungodly things in our lives. We got it all backwards. We need to start accepting those things that are righteous and forsaking those things that are unrighteous, that are ungodly. Those things that, that do not bring glory to God, that do not line up with the Word of God. Those are the things that we need to forsake. If you're anything like me, by the time Wednesday rolls around, you need something. You get through Wednesday, and then you go through the weekend. Here's Sunday, and you get a double, praise God, you get a double portion on Sunday. But I promise you, Monday morning, yay, I'm starting to leap. And by Wednesday night, i got to have it. All over again. So, tonight, the church is described as the assembly of the saints. And should, God should be feared there. God should be praised there. And the assembly should not be forsaken.